Welcome to Grid Nation. I'm Joe Cadwell, the writer, producer, and host of the show. And in this episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Josh Rule from ImagePoint and Dignity Apparel, both based in Waterloo, Iowa. Though I originally went into this conversation with the intent of discussing union printed apparel, I came away with a greater understanding of the socioeconomic impact companies like ImagePoint can have in rural American communities. We'll open our conversation by discussing the humble beginnings of ImagePoint, once known as Back Alley Printers, and how Josh, together with his wife and co-owner Beth, continue on the proud legacy that our parents started in the 1970s. We'll then learn how the rules put their experience of working overseas to alleviate poverty and suffering in developing economies to use here in the U.S. Next, we'll unpack the ImagePoint mission statement of existing to create dignified, life-changing jobs, as Josh explains the difference and importance of not just having a job, but actually having a good job. Later, we'll look into the relationship ImagePoint has with over 3,000 union affiliates across the U.S. and Canada, and what it takes to create original, high-quality logos and designs. And we'll end our conversation by understanding how the recognition of environmental and human rights abuses in the global garment industry led to the creation of Dignity Apparel, an all-American clothing line. After this episode, be sure to visit the show notes to find more information to help you dive deeper into the subject. And now on to the show. Josh Rule, welcome to Grit Nation. Thank you, Joe. Uh, thrilled to be with you today. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you so much, Josh, for taking your time to be on the show to talk to us about Image Point Printers and uh, and your backstory. I understand it's uh, you've traveled extensively. I'm really interested to hear a little bit more about that. But uh, if we could, why don't we start with the the origin of Image Point? How, when, and where did Image Point start? Uh, yeah, so ImagePoint was founded about 45 years ago uh, by Jeff and Pat Swartzendruber, uh, who also happened to be my in-laws and, and still very engaged uh, in the company specifically. ImagePoint's original name was actually Back Alley Printers. Uh, so my father-in-law, Jeff, was uh, printing shirts in, in a garage, uh, originally for his, his church youth group, and uh, just slowly but surely uh, went out and, you know, did what people did back in those days, you know, out in the pavement, you know, driving all over the state of Iowa uh, and finding a customer base. Uh, UAW 838, uh, which is actually right across the road from us. I'm looking out the window of my conference room right now. A big flag right there uh, was our first union customer. And at that point, it was just Jeff. And they said, well, you got to you got to join the union if you want to print for us. <laughs> and uh, and so that was that was really the, the beginning of um uh, kind of you know diving in and, and understanding uh, the union market, uh, the importance of uh, union made in the USA uh, garments uh, and promotional items, and and that really over time, over the course of multiple decades, really became our our focus and, and specialization, and, and really ties into the the mission and and the values of the company as well. And speaking of values of the t- company, uh, Josh, you know, I got on your website prior to our interview, and I, I couldn't help but notice you have a mission statement there. And uh, your mission statement's pretty pretty straightforward. It says, we exist to create dignified, life-changing jobs. What does that mean to you? Yeah, I'd, I'd flesh that out in a couple of ways. Uh, so, so my background is actually in uh, economic development. So my wife and I uh, lived outside of the U.S. for about a decade, uh, specifically working in poverty alleviation, economic development, uh, trying to figure out what are the best ways to take 
uh, families and and men and women who are living in poverty and help them to get out of that that place uh, and find find hope, find income, find a way to support their families. And the short version is uh, the best thing you can do, and this is statistically validated, uh, is to help them get a job. Uh, and actually, if if you go and you look at uh, Gallup, uh, the biggest polling organization in the world, uh, did a survey uh, back in 2015. Um, across, uh, I want to say it was you know over 150 countries, hundreds of thousands of data points, asking people, "What do you want most in life? Uh, what are your dreams?" And uh, it came back as a very clear result: people want a job, and not just a job, but a good job, uh, and that's defined as you know 30 30 hours a week with a paycheck. Uh, that's really what they're they're looking for. And so, uh, so really, that's what we did for about 10 years outside of the U.S. I was working in, in Asia and in Eastern Europe, and really where the focus was through micro lending or doing loans to, to very small businesses uh, to help them to create employment, uh, you know, first for, you know, kind of their family and immediate family, but then out into the communities that they served in. Very fulfilling work. Uh, came back to the U.S. Uh, in 2013 uh, and realized it's really not all that different here, Joe. Uh, if you look across uh, the cities that we all live in, and you you go and you say, where are the pockets or populations of people uh, who are unemployed? Um, there's a lot more than you'd think, um, and naturally, uh, for those of us who are you know working this or aware of it, you know it's predominantly in, in uh, minority communities, and uh, and really we said, man, you know, as as we grow, if we have the opportunity to grow, uh, if we can really create employment and have employment at the center of who we are and what we're doing. Wouldn't that be amazing? And you know, not only that, it, it lines up squarely with what the labor unions that we serve and support care most about. And uh, so, so really, over the course of the last um, five or six years, as Jeff and Pat, my in-laws have have stepped out and um, you know, kind of raised up a new leadership team here. That's really been the focus to say, look, how can we do that? How can we go further? And you've gone further. You've gone from Jeff and Pat's original conception of the the backlog printers with just them and, and then a small handful of folks to a company now that is uh, 60 employees uh, is more or less, Josh? Yeah, yeah. We're between 60 and 65. Uh, and we've just opened a garment factory right on the other side of the highway. Uh, so we just launched that right at the beginning of, of March. And we hired 10 people there uh, with a plan to hire about 20 more before the end of this year. And I understand a lot of the folks that you have hired over the years not only come from U.S., but you also are bringing in a lot of first-generation refugees from countries like Bosnia, uh, countries like Myanmar, and really showing these people the American dream, so to speak, by offering those uh, folks good jobs. Not just a job, but a good job, livable wages, benefits, fair working conditions, and and sort of a a life with dignity and respect. So that's admirable. and all along the way, you're promoting uh, American-made goods, union-made goods. You're supporting the people that are really the backbone of the American working class, the unions in our in our country. So that is a that is a fantastic story. And um, we're going to get into the the, the garment end of this. Uh, I'm I'm sure because I really am excited to hear that you know you're getting into that market as well, and not just not just putting the uh, the, the logos uh, on the items, but actually creating the items in which the logos go on. But before we do, speaking of logos, in your opinion, Josh, what makes why why is branding so important? What defines a good logo? Why are are people clamoring to get their names on shirts? What what's that all about? Yeah, it's it's a great question, Joe. Um, 
you know, and I would frame it from the perspective of could be a carpenter's local. If we serve about 3000 active locals, regional councils, district councils, or, or unions at the international level. I think about what, what they're thinking about when they order from us. Um, it, it's really about solidarity and organizing. Uh, and then those are the two words we, we talk a lot about. We don't think of ourselves as just slapping a, a logo on a t-shirt or on a coffee mug or on a pen. We think, what can we do to help the unions that we serve and support uh, truly accomplish their goals? And ultimately, that's going to be solidarity and organizing. So if you have people who have a you know custom custom branded, visually high impact, really well done design uh, that helps define them. We've done some really cool stuff for uh, carpenters locals across the country. I can think of some really uh, cool recent IBW designs that we've done in the Pacific Northwest or in California where they're working with our graphic designers to say, what really represents us? You know, what are those things that make us feel unique as a group and that the people, uh, the members of the union are really going to resonate with? If you can do that and you can create a stronger sense of solidarity or affinity within, within the group, man, that's something that people want to be a part of. We're all looking for community. We're all looking for something to be people surrounding ourselves that share the kinds of values that we have. And then that emanates out and makes it easier for uh, unions then go out into the community and and to attract new membership and and really to to grow and and again that lines up with our mission if they can grow um, again like you said you know it's not just creating jobs it's creating good jobs uh, so we want to do that ourselves but then how can we play that um, even if it's a small role how can we play a small role in helping unions to to then organize and gain new members uh, over time and that's that's right in the center of uh, what we want to do with our mission. Nice. And full disclosure for anyone who's listening right now, I uh, was put in contact with ImagePoint by one of the local carpenters unions here in, in Oregon. I was looking to, uh, to, to do a, um, a branding of the podcast, the Grit Nation podcast with, the, uh, with one of our carpenters locals. And they said, hey, you need to reach out to ImagePoint. And I tell you, the, uh, the experience I had there from the first call was, was customer service seemed like it was job one. Uh, the, the, person I talked to was really, really easy to work with. They took my concept of what I wanted to see on the front and back of the shirt, and they made it come to life. Uh, the process, you you had mentioned you have graphic designers or creative designers. Uh, how do they go about, do you, do you think, you know, with their inspiration? And it's tough to think in, inside the mind of an artist like that, but what do you think is is important? What, what sticks out when they go to say, hey, we want to find a brand particular to this local or enterprise? Yes, yeah, so usually it's... Um it's a sales rep or the account executive that's going to be speaking directly with the, you know, the business agent at the union to try to understand uh, what, what, tr- what trades uh, do you represent? And, and even, you know, what are some of the things that make your local unique? And some of those can be, you know, geographic, I think is some, uh, some that we've done recently for uh, California along the coast. And they've got that California vibe, that California feel in terms of colors and, uh, you know, Ray-Ban sunglasses or Wayfair sunglasses or, you know, different things they're trying to integrate in uh, that feel uh, local or regional. We've done some interesting union designs in the Pacific Northwest with Bigfoot integrated in. Sure. <laughs> uh, where they're looking for that Sasquatch out in the redwood forests up there. Always a fan and, favorite here. Yeah, exactly. So, so it's usually, you know, honing in on, you know, what's the trade uh, you know, or what's the thing that's that's specific and unique to this this area? Or sometimes it's an inside joke. We don't even they're telling us to design something. We'll do it. We don't really know what it means, but it means a lot to them. And and really, the uh, kind of our sales team 
who are interacting, you know, very closely with with the business agents or with the ordering party at, at the union to figure out what makes you guys unique and then get that to our our graphic artists. And, and goodness, Joe, that the amount of talent they have, I, I could never I could never touch it. You know, so we've got graphic artists who have been with this for, you know, 10, 15, 20 years and and who just know how to very quickly kind of put something together and put it in, put it in front of people that's going to uh, really, really hit it the, what they're getting at. This episode of Grit Nation is proudly supported by the Carpenters Local 271 based in Eugene, Oregon. Thanks to their generosity, the hardworking men and women of the Local 271 can now sport an official I've Got Grit High Visibility t-shirt. This U.S.-made garment is produced by ImagePoint of Waterloo, Iowa, and features the American flag and the newly designed Grit Nation logo. I have to say it looks really sharp, and I'm pleased as punch to have their support. If your local, business, or organization is interested in collaborating with Grit Nation, the Building Trades podcast, I'd be happy to hear from you. Grit Nation is proud to support those who support the blue-collar trades people of America and Canada. And now back to the show. Yeah, and and so we have the design agreed upon, and without getting too deep in the weeds, Josh, the actual printing process, I understand there's a few different printing processes to, to take an image and to actually get it to adhere to a garment is kind of complicated. Can you boil that down for us? Yeah, so our, our primary decoration methods are um, screen printing, embroidery, dye sublimation and direct to garment printing. And, and we do some, we do some laser uh, etching as well. Uh, but, but screen print is, is certainly the, the bread and butter of what we do. And when you get into the, some of the technical end of it, you know, it's, it's, it's a highly specialized trade. Our screen print lead, who's been with us for over 20 years, um, even before working here, uh, worked at another large uh, contract screen printer that was Printing for you know large sports teams, they would do the Super Bowl T-shirts and 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 really that you know that end of the trade is you know if a graphic artist can come up with a really good design, you then have to take all of the colors of that design and you have to separate them out. So there's a separation process so that you can get uh, get down to to kind of the screen level. Then it's one color per screen. Those get set up on a machine and then ink is is forced through the screen. It's a very fine mesh. Um, where you're laying down one color and then the second color, a third color. Sometimes we have up to 14 colors on, on one design. And then you get, you can even get a very high res, almost photorealistic image on, on the front. Uh, so that's, that's certainly the majority of what we do. Uh, embroidery, um, you know, fairly straightforward. If you've seen an embroidered polo or embroidered hat, uh, it's an embroidery machine uh, where you get it set up on the machine. A lot of the nuance and technical end of that is with the digitizing. How do you make sure the stitches kind of get aligned perfectly uh, to, you know, get the best representation you can of of the design that you're you're making? Dye sublimation. Um, if you've seen sports jerseys, you think like a bike, you know, like a biking jersey or a, a football jersey, uh, something where it's a moisture management uh, polyester. You want that to be breathable. So screen print would lay down ink and, you know, you wouldn't breathe as well. So dye sublimation is a process that actually, instead of laying ink on top of fabric, it, it dyes the fabric all the way through. So you still have those kind of, you know, breathability and moisture management uh, features. Uh, so we use that for some applications. Um, and then direct to garment printing, uh, it's the newest technology in this industry. Um, it's essentially like, a you know, a large glorified inkjet printer. You can put the shirt in and it, it just prints directly on to the shirt. So it's, it's less uh, labor intensive in terms of the setup than a large, uh, large format screen print press would be, but it can't do the, the volume as, as quickly. So, you know, we would use that for 
let's say less than 50 shirts on an order. Uh, if we get an order for 5,000 shirts or 10,000 shirts, we're certainly going to do it on the bigger press, uh, kind of longer setup time, but um, more efficient. So it definitely sounds like there's been some some significant technical advances in the print-to-garment world since Jeff and Pat first <laughs> were working out of their uh, their garage. It really is tangible when you get a garment that just feels good, that you're comfortable wearing, and that you know has a, a great-looking logo, and and really that you don't feel that that sticky texture to it. I've had a lot of cheap T-shirts over the years, and and uh, you definitely, what's the point? You don't want to wear it. So uh, you know, it's it's nothing like paying for a quality tea, something that's American made, something that's union made is definitely going to, to represent the, the best of the best there. And, um, with that said, I understand that the, the shirts now, you know, when I was researching shirts for the, uh, for the for the podcast here and sweatshirts for the podcast, I ran into a lot of supply chain issues before I came to Image Point. Why why was it different from my experience there from every, everybody else? No, everyone else said we cannot get that color. Uh, we can mix and match the the types of shirts, but Image Point they said no problem. We can get this done for you. Yeah, I, I mean, supply chain challenges um, are, are certainly a major issue in our industry and and they've been an issue since well before COVID, right? So everybody's facing supply chain challenges right now. We've been facing them for over a decade now. Uh, And and the reason behind that, Joe, is that um, just to throw out a couple of of statistics, um, if you go back to 1960, uh, roughly 95% of the garments that Americans wore were produced right here in the U.S. And that means the cotton was grown by an American cotton farmer, uh, the yarn was was spun uh, in an American mill. You know, the fabric was uh, dyed and finished um, right here in the U.S. It was cut and sewn in a garment factory, and then it was worn by Americans. Here, it was a ninety-five percent, and by two thousand nine, that number had gone down to two percent. Wow! And so, you know, just eighty percent decline. And you just imagine, you know, all those jobs were offshored at that point, and there were very few factories left as of two thousand nine. Um, and you can imagine, especially the industry we're in, you know, our customer base and, and we as a company care about, uh, can we get uh, union-made garments? We, you know, we want them to be in a, a unionized facility. Well, by the end of last year, the number of suppliers that we we had where we, we could actually get shirts uh, was less than 10. Um, and when I say shirts, you know, that's broad term, you know, hoodies, you know, jackets, polos, any garment, uh, less than 10. And of those... Uh, only a few were union and the union ones had even been bought out by non-union companies <laughs> who, who really, you know, were kind of questioning, do they, uh, are they intending to continue servicing this industry or are they doing it just because they want to have access to the union market, not, not because they actually understand the impact that it can have. And so we, we, we saw the writing on the wall uh, a few years ago with that and, and had been working on a few things to try to really make sure we could secure supply of union-made garments to, to sell to our customer base over the long term. Long story short, you know, we landed on, uh, after a, a few years of trying a few different things, we landed on, we're really going to need to do this ourselves. That's, that's the only way that we can see a, a path forward here. So right at the beginning of this month, we launched, um, it's called Dignity Apparel. So it's our own brand. Uh, it's, it's a garment factory right across the, the street from Image Point, our, our facility here in, in Waterloo, Iowa. And uh, we started out with, um, we have uh, t- 10 people within the factory. We set up our first sewing line. Uh, we're making hooded sweatshirts. Uh, so we've got, you know, 12 ounce, 100% cotton, 
heavyweight hooded sweatshirts kind of thing you guys would love up in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, double yeah. lined hood. I'm wearing one right now, actually. Nice. So very warm, great for working outside. We we cut it and sized it generously. So we recognize a lot of people, if they're working outside, you're going to want to have something underneath. Hood's big enough to where uh, it still accommodate uh, things underneath. Uh, wear it with the hard hat. Uh, and it's and it's a, it's a robust fabric. And then we have a, a lighter weight, more breathable, nine ounce, 80-20 um, which is a great one for, you know, fall, uh, or spring. And yeah, so we're getting going on those and have started producing them and yeah, super excited about that. I think we have an opportunity to help, uh, not, not just revive an industry that's been in decline for decades, uh, but to play the role that we can play in ensuring that there still are union made garments in the U S five years from now. That's fantastic. And that's Dignity Apparel. So Dignity Apparel is sort of a branch off of ImagePoint that is now providing the garments that ImagePoint will put their uh, customers' logos on. Yeah, that's right. That is fantastic. And and again, bringing back those livable wage jobs uh, the, to America. And it's it, that, that's an incredible statistic that you told me that 95% at one time, 95% is as recent as the 1960s were were made in the US and worn by Americans and then over over time all those industries were outsourced overseas and i can imagine the corporations that that have a lot of those lines their profits went through the roof because they were no longer paying the workers livable wages with benefits and safe working conditions so uh, admirable josh that you are trying to revive that mindset of american pride and and uh you know, ownership from the top down, from the from the leadership to to the to the folks on the factory floor, are all sharing in the wealth of a company, and that's something that unfortunately seems a, a lot of the larger corporations out there have lost that message of what it means to to make livable wage jobs where everyone has uh, equity in the product. Yeah, and and Joe, one of the things that um, like I mentioned, I'm an economics and statistics nerd, so you you go into you know, what happened when all of these jobs got offshore and, and you dig into this industry and it's, it's a CD industry. It's not a good story. Once you get overseas and you look at what's happened. So, uh, we, you know, lived and worked in China for a number of years. Uh, 20% of cotton in the U S is grown in Western China. It's in a province called Xinjiang. And that province is predominantly a, a Muslim minority group uh, called the Uyghur group that is heavily oppressed by the Chinese government and um, often put in internment camps and essentially you know, forced to pick cotton for no wages. Uh, so it's, it's the equivalent of modern slavery, modern slave labor. 20% of all cotton is grown in that area and ends up out in our t-shirts and in our closets and we, we aren't aware of it, right? And you go back to the 90s and you think of um, in Southeast Asia, kind of all the exposés around garment factories using, you know, child labor. Um, you look at all of the um, you know, kind of pollutants um, used for pesticides and what that's doing um, to our, our planet. You think of all the shipping emissions of getting those from there over here uh, for what we wear and the, the costs to, to real people are, are great. We're just not absorbing them here. And so you kind of, you look at that and you say, okay, well, Hey, I can get a $8 t-shirt from Walmart. Isn't that good, Josh? Isn't that a good thing? And, and you actually get into the real impact on, on the lives of people. And, and no, it's not, you know, not only did we lose jobs here, what's happened overseas is, is not, is, is not something I think if we, we knew about, uh, we would accept. 
Right. The, the socioeconomic impact of those decisions of buying a cheap $8 t-shirt, the environmental impact uh, on a global scale uh, is is mind-boggling as well. And yeah, it, and again, all for what? A, a cheap, shoddily made shirt that, you know, someone made pennies on a dollar uh, making it, and yet the companies that uh, overseas corporations are, are making money you know, in, in buckets. It's, it's a real uh, shame that that sort of um, uh, that system has come into play. But again, you know, we have companies like uh, ImagePoint and Dignity Apparel are pushing against that, and hopefully uh, we'll see uh, a reversal of that uh, trend. And I know the, uh, the unions greatly appreciate what you're doing. I greatly appreciate what you're doing. I'm really excited to get my my first order of uh, ImagePoint printed apparel in. It's going to be um, great to be able to align myself with the different locals that are in support of the show and hopefully uh, continue to um, grow through good branding and uh, a relationship with them and with ImagePoint. So, Josh, uh, before we go, what uh, what's the future hold for, for ImagePoint? I know apparel, things just don't stop with apparel. I mean, we've obviously talked about dignity, clothing line coming, coming along. Are there any other trends that you're looking, got your eye on? Yeah. You know, the biggest one for us is, is certainly, um, you talk about our mission statement, you know, creating dignified, life-changing jobs. And that's really how we measure success. So, uh, we had our launch celebration here at the beginning of the month. Uh, we had uh, representatives from Painters and Allied Trades, Local 246, District Council 81, just a few of the union leaders who have walked with us for decades now uh, came down. And I'll tell you what, they're everybody's excited about what we're doing as we are. <laughs> and uh, and so really, you know, kind of saying, how can we partner and, and walk forward and not just, you know, create, you know, 10 jobs or 20, you know, what's it look like to create 50 or 100 here um, just at our current sales volume? Um, if we were able to, um, you know, continue to grow and then, you know, continue to build up Dignity Apparel over time, obviously with the support of unions across the country, uh, we, we can get up to, you know, 100 people, 150 people, maybe even more uh, in that in that factory. And, and again, like you said, Joe, what we're going to look at is making sure we are, you know, well above average wages, uh, benefits. They have, you know, three different insurance options right out of the gate. You know, we've got 401k, we've got just deep investment in on-the-job training. And so, again, you know, creating a job is, is, a, is a major uh, step when you have somebody who's unemployed. And yet a, a good job is really what, what they need, right? And uh, one of the things that, that I've shared pretty broadly, you know, I studied economics, as I mentioned, um, a lot of economists are not very friendly towards unions. But when I look at um, the US and kind of the common perception of unions, it's it's so different than the reality of the friendships that we've made in this union space, you know, across, like I mentioned, we've got, you know, 3000 union, we call them customers, they're more, they're more like our friends. And if I had to get into what do unions actually care about? What are they actually doing? It's, it's, it's just that it's trying to create, you know, not just jobs, but good jobs for working class men and women all across the country. It, I think it's more needed now than it's been in over a hundred years so that you don't have a, you know, that single mom who has to go from their day job at the Amazon fulfillment center to their night job at Taco Bell to be able to support their kids. Right. You know, what's it look like to actually uh, create jobs where people can not just live, but can thrive. And so, um, I mentioned, you know, hiring out of the Burmese community. The reason we we did that here is because, you know, pre-COVID, Iowa unemployment was 2%. We had the lowest, I think, in the nation at that point. Unemployment in the Burmese community here was 48%. There were some studies that were done. Uh, similar studies in, you know, Congolese community 
the African-American community on the east side of Waterloo. And so, man, um, what we found is that um, people are willing to work. There's a lot of barriers for them getting into the <laughs> into the workforce. You know, it could be language, it could be transportation, it could be because they just they need a, a second chance from an employer who would typically screen them out. And just super pumped about walking closely on, alongside our, our union to figure out how can we do that really well and how can we do that at scale. And you know, we're gonna you know play some big bets and, and hope for some good things. So Josh, I understand, you know, you've got a lot of plans for Image Point and Dignity Apparel, and I know you can't do that all on your own. So do, who's the team that that you have working with you? Yeah, Joe, thanks for asking. And, and you're right. We've talked a lot about what's to come, and we're certainly just full of optimism and faith for the future, excited about what's to come. But uh, man, you start out by saying, you know, Jeff and Pat, who we've referenced multiple times, they built an amazing business over 40 plus years uh, we are not a startup. Uh, we're a company with a really solid foundation. And honestly, they're the most generous people I've ever met. And so they've been committed to giving back in the community and beyond for a long time. So, so thankful for them and just years and years of you know blood, sweat, and tears kind of building the company that's here. Our team, as I mentioned, 60, 60 to 65 people here, uh, many of whom have been with us for years, some more than a decade, some more than two decades. And Joe, they are uh, best in the business, uh, skilled at what they do, uh, just the commitment to customer service, uh, the excellence that goes into the, the decoration, uh, the embroidery, the screen print, um, logistics, you know, shipping, receiving, our warehouse team, our, our finance and administration team. Um, we've just got the, the best uh, team I could imagine putting together and just so thankful for everything they're doing on a daily basis. And then we mentioned 3,000 unions across the country. These are our, these are our friends. These are our union brothers and sisters. And without them uh, supporting us, you know, obviously, you know, buying the products and and services that that we offer, um, without them being behind us uh, in the ways that they have, uh, we would not be the company that we are today. So just so thankful for the opportunity to continue to serve them and walk alongside them as they uh, pursue impact in their own communities. All right. Well, it sounds like you're on track to really change uh, for the better a lot of people's lives. And I wish you and uh, uh, your business as well. Uh, Josh Rule, um, it's been a great conversation. Where can people go to find out more about ImagePoint and Dignity Apparel? Um, ImagePoint.com and DignityApparel.com. Uh, so yeah, that's that's probably the the simplest. Um, and 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 yeah, Joe, like we've got we've got big visions, we got big missions, we got to do our our core job well. So you let me know how your shirts came out. Um, I will definitely do that. <laughs> if if those came out well, if they didn't, we'll 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 make them we'll make them right for you. But uh, if if they did, uh, definitely that's that's the way that we we spread the word is just by doing good work. Uh, so dignity apparel hoodies are we're going to start selling those here uh, in not too long. So um, I know you've got uh, close. Carpenters Brothers and Sisters there locally. If there's anything we can do to send you out some samples, have a look at those, let us know. And, and again, you know, get on our website and, and we'd love to get in touch and uh, give you a chance to see what we do. All right. Well, thank you again, Josh Rule, for taking your time to be on the show. You have a great weekend. Yeah, you too. Thank you, Joe. My guest today has been Josh Rule. To learn more about ImagePoint and Dignity Apparel, be sure to visit the show notes for this episode or visit the website at www.gritnationpodcast.com. That's GritNationPodcast.com. Till next time, this is Joe Cadwell reminding you to work safe, work smart, and stay union strong.